0: hello ninjas and ninjas and welcome to another episode of the exposure ninja digital marketing podcast My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm a best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency helping small and medium-sized businesses generate significantly more leads and sales through their website. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from your website. And in this episode, I'm joined by Greg Gifford. Now, Greg's one of the world's foremost experts on local SEO. So we're gonna be talking about how to increase your visibility in local map listings, how to increase your visibility in in local organic listings as well. He's gonna give us some top tips on things like review collection, also how to get local links, citations, what to do with your Google My Business page to increase its chances of ranking. Really fascinating guy and lots of actionable advice here. Don't forget, if you want some help increasing your website's visibility on Google, then you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Fill in the details, tell us a bit about your business goals, and we will conduct a 20 minute video review, which identifies the areas on your website that you can tweak and some different ways of picking up some more visibility, both through SEO and also through things like pay-per-click and social media as well. Completely free of charge, and it's genuinely awesome. Over 250 five-star reviews on Facebook. Anyway, without further ado, here's the show with Greg Gifford. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you're here to talk about local SEO and uh, that's kind of the, the area that I guess you're known for most online. For people who are listening, it It may or may not be obvious, but what actually is local SEO compared to regular SEO? So the difference
1: there is, there's actually the easiest way to say it that isn't actually accurate is that there's two algorithms. Really, it's just one super complicated algorithm. But for the sake of example, it's easier to think of it that there are two separate algorithms. One algorithm that returns the standard search results that people are typically used to using and a different algorithm that returns localized results. So for certain types of businesses, Google has realized that even if the person conducting the search doesn't enter in some sort of a location modifier, whether it's near me or nearby or a city name or even a neighborhood name or a state name or a country name or whatever that would be, for those certain types of businesses, Google realizes that that person needs something nearby due to the nature of that business and that request. So it's going to use that local algorithm where it looks at different signals than what it does in the traditional side to determine what the best local results are to serve up to that person. So local SEO is the practice of including those additional signals in your optimization process and what you're doing so that you're maximizing the chances of those local businesses to show up in those local results.
0: So people would know if they're targeting a phrase which Google is showing local results for because they might see maybe a map or they might see regular organic search results that include their area name, for example. Is that right? Pretty much every time you're going to see that map pack that shows
1: up where it's got the map and then the three results underneath. So the vast majority of the time, you will see that pop up in those local searches. And like you said, you'll also notice in the organic listings below that, that everything is going to be from a specific area. This also is the same algorithm that applies if someone goes to Maps and just does a search inside of the Maps of Google instead of searching on the organic search page.
0: So the big question for everyone who's got a local business or they target local phrases and they see that map pack and they're like, damn it, that top business, they've hardly got any reviews. They don't seem to have very many, you know, links to their website, whatever it seems to be that there's some kind of different ranking factors going on here to the regular organic results. So from your perspective, what are the main most important ranking factors for these Maps listings?
1: Well, something that's important to pay attention to is uh, there's an annual study called the Local Search Ranking Factor Study, where they basically take the top 35 to 40 experts in local SEO worldwide and do a big kind of questionnaire where we all say what we think the most important factors are and what the most damaging factors are. And then they can aggregate all of those answers and get a pretty good feel for what, what works and what's important. And when they release these search results or this the survey results or the study results, there's two different uh, paths there. There's two different pie charts that show the signal strength, one for standard organic and one for the map pack or the map searches. And the reason is, like you said, the the signals are different between those two. So anytime you're trying to show up in that map pack, the second most important factor is that you have an address in that actual city. So if your business is located in the suburbs of a metro area, but you're wanting to show up for searches in that metro It's going to be much more difficult for you if you don't have an actual address. Sure, you might be part of that metro area, and it's very clear to humans that, hey, you serve that area, but that actual physical address being in that city is hugely important. And then the most important factor is proximity of search result to searcher. In other words, how far away the search results are from the person's physical location when they're conducting the search. Now, that could be your desktop computer or laptop computer based on your IP address, or it could be the mobile device in your hand based on you know triangulation or GPS signal. So when you're talking to businesses and they're like, man, I can't believe this guy's showing up, it could just be that that is the closest physical result. Now, it's a, a tiered system. You You can't just be there solely on proximity and address. You've got to be relevant and prominent as well. So the same things apply, the normal SEO signals. You've got to have great SEO to make the cut. And then once you make the cut, those results are typically going to be organized by proximity.
0: So Google is looking at different ranking factors. Obviously, we do see examples of websites, which or sorry, not examples of websites, examples of map results, which seem to be a bit of an anomaly, right? They don't have a particularly well filled out Map listing, they they may be local, but you also see results from businesses that are slightly further away. So obviously, it's not pure proximity. When you're trying to identify why a particular business is is listed in the map, what's your kind of competitor analysis process? Like obviously, with organic SEO, we look at their links and their content. How do you begin to deconstruct a listing in maps?
1: If we're looking specifically at showing up in that map pack or in maps the first thing we're going to look at is their google my business listing to make sure that everything's filled out correctly sometimes it could be so simple as they don't they haven't chosen the right categories for their business they either haven't chosen categories at all or they've chosen the wrong one or they've chosen too many a lot of times if you're trying to squeeze in too many categories and you're choosing things that don't specifically relate to your particular business that can cause some issues so there's the the GMB side of things like that. And then a lot of it comes down to citations. Citations are your directory listings, basically. It's anytime your business name, address, and phone number are listed on another website. And it's really important to the algorithm that those match every time they appear online. So if a business isn't showing up well there, it could be that they've got some citational problems. And citations used to be really powerful back in the day, and you could do a lot of things with citations to get businesses that weren't in a city to show up in that city but Google's kind of cleaned that signal up a bit and now it's more of a foundational factor but it's still a basic factor that you've got to get right so that's another really important thing to check and then it really comes down to location like where are you what's the proximity you know if you're if you're doing a search i mean we've done tests at conferences where we've got people that will test something in one room and then do a search in another room and they get different results because they've moved far enough to change that proximity factor. But like I said, it still comes down after all of that to their basic SEO signals. So, you know, what sort of content do you have on your site? Are you seen as a relevant result? Do you have good links? Do you have good content? So it's, it's a lot of mismatch of all of those factors together.
0: Cool. So it sounds like there's like a there's a regular SEO piece, and then you've got the local signals as well. What about reviews? Reviews are notoriously difficult to get on Google Plus because, or Google My Business because the interface is a bit of a mess for users. How mu- how important is it that that listeners are, are are driving their customers to leave reviews?
1: Reviews are hugely important, both from the human aspect of people are going to look at reviews before they decide to either buy from you or do business with you but they're also a big part of the algorithm. So you want to have a lot of reviews. You want to have a positive score. For our clients, we always try to have the score be at least a 4.4 or a 4.5. We also want to make sure that our clients have more reviews than their competitors, but we don't want to take it too far because then it may be cool for the algorithm, but it can backfire from a human standpoint. Great example, we were talking to a dealership in the southern u.s and they in their town they were the number one ranked dealership and they had something like 685 reviews they had a 4.5 or 4.6 so that was great but they had 685 but of all the other car dealerships in town the next closest dealership had like 75 or 80 reviews (laughs) so if everyone else falls in the range of say you know 30 to most of them are in the you know 60 70 80 range And then you've got one guy that's got 685 human nature is to think that something nefarious is going on there. Like that can't be right. There's no way this guy has that many more reviews than everyone else. So even though they were legitimate reviews and they really did have that many more reviews than everyone else, the general public's going to look at that and think that something fishy is going on there. So You kind of have to walk a a delicate line there. And it's also important to Google's algorithm after an update that happened a couple of years ago that your reviews are spread out among the different review sites. So you don't want to get everything on Google. It's not a natural pattern for customers to leave all their reviews on Google. So you've got to spread your reviews out among the different review sites as well.
0: That business that had 685 reviews, I know there are going to be listeners thinking, geez, well, that'd be a great problem to have is that I've got too many reviews. What are, the, what are some of the processes and methods that, that businesses like that can use to, to pick up more reviews?
1: Well, in the past, I would have said use a review survey system. But Google has just updated their terms of service, and they don't allow for that sort of thing anymore. So what up until, you know, just a few weeks ago, was very successful to use a survey system where you would ask a single question, how did we do today? And then you've got a scale of one to 10 that they answer on. And the low answers are sent to a private form that lets the customer fill out why their experience could have been better or why you suck. And then it gets emailed to you. But anyone that rates you high is taken to a page that says, hey, we're happy you had a great experience. Go leave us a review here. But Google now says you can't give a different experience to Upset people or happy people. So, you have to do the same experience for everyone. So, now the best thing is really just to honestly ask every customer to leave a review and then have a simple way for them to do so. Now, whether that's texting them a link or emailing them a link or handing them some sort of a printed material that has a link on it to a page on your site that says, Hey, we'd like to know how we did today. Leave us a review on one of the following sites. And then list out the different sites that are important to your business which will definitely be Google, definitely be Facebook. Uh, In the U.S., definitely Yelp. In the U.K. and Europe, it's not necessarily always Yelp. What's important is to look for the type of business that you have or that you're working with on Apple Maps and see where the review stars on Apple Maps come from because they don't come from Google. In the U.S., they always come from Yelp. In the U.K., it could be, or in Europe, it could be booking.com, Uh, It could be TripAdvisor. It could be several different sites. So you want to check which sites are feeding reviews to that type of business and make sure that that's one of the options there as well. And then every business is going to have vertical specific review sites. So it's a review site that a doctor might need to be on, but a plumber, it, it wouldn't matter for. So those would be the options that you offer there and just let everyone at the business know, hey, look, every customer needs to be sent to this site. So you've got the verbal ask. And then you can follow up with emails or text messages or or whatnot after that.
0: That's awesome advice, dude. I want to ask you about uh, the website. So what are some of the things that people need to make sure their websites do in order to show Google that they have local relevance?
1: So the most important thing is to actually have content that's truly localized. One of the things that we always tell our clients when we're working with them or potential clients that we might be working with is to look at like, For instance, your homepage or your About Us page on your site. And if you could change the name of the product or service that you provide and change the name of the town that you're in and change the name of your business, so change those three simple things, could you take that content and put it on another business's website in another city? If that content still works, which a vast majority of the time it would then that means you're still pretty generic as far as what you're talking about. The content on your site needs to really be about your business and what makes you unique and why you're better than your competitors and truly about your local area. And that's not just shoving your city keyword in there a couple of times. It's really talking about the local area throughout the site. And that's you know, it's, it's thinking of it like what makes this site better for humans, not the tricky stuff of if I go write this page, it'll rank well for this term and Google will think I'm relevant. It's what can you do to your site to make your site really, really kick ass for human users? Answer all the questions you can, provide all the information you can so that any question that might possibly be asked would be answered. And then make that information spread throughout the site in an easy navigation system so that it's very easy to get from one place to another and understand what it is that you're reading and that's the sort of stuff that Google's going to reward with more visibility
0: how can people write about the local area in a way that's not just hey if you're looking for a plumber in texas then call our texas plumbing company how can people actually do that in a way that adds value to the user i guess
1: Well, so, I mean, you're talking about the local area that you're in. So instead of just shoving in, you know, if you're talking Dallas, you're not just shoving in Dallas all over the place. You may mention another city or two. You might mention landmarks in the area. You might, you know, mention that you did plumbing in a specific neighborhood for some specific client. You know, when you're writing your blog posts, you're talking about the specific things that you've done in those specific Mm -hmm. neighborhoods or towns. You know, if you've got a multi-location business on your location pages, you're talking about the landmarks near each specific location. So there's a lot of different things that, you know, when you're writing your content, instead of just saying Dallas, 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 you can say Dallas or Dallas-Fort Worth or the Metroplex or things that people living in that area would understand. Hey, this is really about Dallas. This isn't some guy in New York writing a bunch of content for this site just saying Dallas a hundred times.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, what about the importance of local links? How, how does that impact local visibility?
1: Local links are probably the most important, most weighted factor in the algorithm. So there's no more other things that you could do that would be more important to visibility but unfortunately it's also the hardest part of doing local SEO and for a lot of business owners that handle their own SEO content makes sense they can get that citations make sense they can go use submission services or do it themselves local links are a lot harder to do for a lot of business owners that don't have someone on staff or that aren't working with a vendor that really understands SEO it's really hard for a lot of people to do but the The easiest thing to think of is if you're involved in the local community, you're going to get local links naturally. And lucky for us, we work with car dealers and they're barely, very philanthropic and they're always really involved in the community and giving back to the local area. So they're doing a lot of things just naturally by the nature of the way they do business that result in local links or that can be followed up on to get a lot of local links. But mm-hmm. You know, you might have a, a plumber or an electrician or even a doctor or a lawyer that, you know, it's a small business and they're spending all their time doing the things they need to do to, to conduct business and they don't have that extra community outreach element. And if you're not doing things in the local community, it's a heck of a lot more difficult to get those local links. So I always, when I'm speaking at conferences, I'm always telling people, hey, look, The easiest thing to do to get local links isn't to just sit there and try to send out a bunch of emails or make a bunch of phone calls. It's really just get involved in the local area. And when you do that, you can naturally just have a lot of opportunities to get good links.
0: Awesome. So things like striking up partnerships and going out to networking meetings, talking to people, sponsoring local teams.
1: Yeah, partnerships, networking groups are great sponsorships are actually an awesome source of local links. Google doesn't want you to buy links, but Google's okay with you buying sponsorships that result in links. And that's a, a way that a lot of businesses that don't have that extra time to do you know, community service or things in the community, they can get those sponsorships. And sponsorships don't have to be expensive. I mean, you can go find peewee hockey teams or peewee football or little league teams. And for a couple hundred bucks a year, you get your business name on their jersey, and you're going to get listed on their website and have a really killer link. And then it's looking at things that employees do outside of business, like what sort of clubs and organizations do they belong to? You know, What are their kids into? What do they do with their kids that could be opportunities? Finding things like that, business associations that you've joined. There's a lot of different things that You don't have to spend a lot of effort outside of normal business hours that you're still basically involved in the community and you can
0: find those opportunities. Fantastic advice. I want to ask you about multi-location businesses now, because obviously they come with their own set of challenges. So let's say that you're working with a, a car dealership, for example, that has a number of different dealerships in in local areas, but their main website is for the brand as a whole. So how do you balance the needs of ranking for each in, in each of these different cities with without going too heavy on on any particular city? whilst having a good amount of of location-targeted content on the website?
1: So it's tougher when you get into the multi-location thing like that. Luckily for us, car dealerships will always have their own individual sites. Typically, when I'm doing consulting or talking to people at conferences, when I'm talking to businesses that have just a handful of locations, call it less than 10 to 15 locations, it's always a better idea to have an individual website for each location, especially if they're geographically diverse now if you've got you know 10 locations and they're all actually in dallas proper okay cool you'll be fine with one website but if you're in the dallas area and you're in 10 different you know you maybe got one or two that are actually in dallas and the other eight are in various suburbs around dallas your opportunity to show up well in searches in those individual locations are greatly increased if you have an entire website dedicated just to that city But once you move past that range, it's typically harder to scale it out where you're going to have an individual website for a bunch of different locations, especially when you get up to enterprise level where you've got hundreds or thousands of locations for one site. And that's where it becomes really important to, you kind of have to back off of the geo optimization of writing content really localized around a specific area throughout the main parts of the site. But when you come down to a location page, a lot of smaller businesses and you know ones that don't have thousands and thousands, but maybe have 20, 30, 40 locations, even 10 to 15, if they're looking at a single website, they'll have a locations page that just lists out their locations. It's much better to have an actual page on your site for each location. And that way, that page for that location can be really, really highly targeted and optimized towards that specific location and things around that area and then when you're writing your blog content you can alternate between writing around these different cities and then those location pages can have links to the blog post around those cities so you have a strong internal linking structure with those location keywords and content around those locations along with that main location page and it helps you build more relevancy that way but again like I said honestly the best thing is to have an entire website around that location But if you've got to have those location pages and you're especially at the higher end and you've got to scale it, it's important to be able to find ways to have that localized content that are easily scalable. So find government information, you know, what's the altitude of the city? What's the population of the city? What's the history of the city? What are local landmarks around that particular city? You can collect reviews from each location and throw a couple of testimonials on each page, each location page from someone that lives in that particular area. And like I said, you can write the blog content around those areas too. So there's ways that you can pretty easily scale this up and you may have the same major template or major design for that page where you've got 50 or 60 location pages that all technically look the same on a grid layout, but the content that goes in each area of the page while it might be here's local landmarks or here's directions to this store from the main highway or here's some testimonials from local customers or here's this, the the history of this particular location or important things that might overall be the same thing on each page, but each page is incredibly
0: unique. Yeah, that's, that's such good advice. I got one very specific question about, yeah, I know you touched earlier on uh, businesses that are outside the the area that they're targeting. And this is one that comes up a, a lot with our clients is they have a, that maybe they're a little bit out of town, not completely out of town, but just a little bit out of town. They're certainly not in the city center, but they want to rank for whatever dentist city or dentist town or, or wherever it is. So Obviously, they're a bit of a disadvantage with location, but is there anything that they can do to overcome that, that, um, that location disadvantage? Is there any way to rank in a city that you're not technically in? What about things like virtual post boxes and that type of thing?
1: So those definitely don't work. Google's smart enough to detect the pattern and see that if you're just using a, a post office box to try to rank there to get an address there, that's not going to work. Typically, the shared office spaces like uh, Regis or a WeWork type of space aren't going to work either. And actually, according to Google's terms of service, any address that you use has to be a permanently staffed address. So, you know, I've, I've talked to a ton of people that have just gotten Regis offices in a bunch of different cities, but it's very easy for a competitor to prove that you don't actually have staff there. And if you can prove that to Google, then that listing is going to get pulled. So- you know other than going out and actually getting cheap office space and putting staff there all the time you can definitely still do well the important thing that we always tell people though is to make sure that you own your own backyard first so if you are you know in this situation just slightly outside of the city proper but still definitely very deep in the heart of that that metro area you don't want to immediately just say, I'm going to go after the main city in the metro. You've got to make sure that you're just destroying it in your own town first because you've got to have that relevancy there. And if you if you don't even have enough of a signal to Google that you're, you know, if not the best, one of the best results for your own city, how do you expect to compete in the larger metro where you've got tons more competition so once you own your own backyard there's a strategy called local content silos where you're basically almost creating a think of it like a micro site within your own site it's a siloed off area within your site where it's basically a copy of the main product or service pages but instead of optimizing around the city that you're in you're optimizing around that targeted metro city And you've got those product or service pages there. You've got your location pages again. If you've got multiple locations or just your one page, then you're writing targeted blog post content around that area as well. And internally, as far as your internal linking structure, you've got this siloed off area. Now it's not completely an Island. You do have a few links leading into the silo from other pages on the site, but it's not like you're linking to it from every page and linking out of it from every page inside. It's, it's, siloed for a reason. You want to kind of create this island within your site. Uh, That's not the best term, silo. Uh, A couple of links point in, but once you get in, it's pretty fully functional for anyone in that city that's within there. And when they're clicking, those links are leading to other pages within the silo. And internally, you've got a very strong, very optimized internal linking structure within the silo. And then externally, you don't have those citation signals, but when you're doing your link building, you increase your link building efforts. And now when you're building links, when you're getting links from any business or entity that is within that actual city you're targeting, instead of linking it to your homepage or your other pages on your site, link it to pages within your silo. So now you're building the silo. so you have keyword relevance and geographical relevance all building within the silo, but then you're also having that external link signal pointed in to that specific silo as well it's a longer term strategy, it typically takes quite a while we tell our clients plan on at least a year before you can kind of start chipping away and showing up in that area. So it's a long term play. But it definitely still works.
0: That's super interesting. So it's almost like you're setting up a separate locally targeted version of your website as a as a silo on your main site really. And then just yeah, that's that's awesome. How long do these sorts of things take? Like, say a business has absolutely no visibility in map pack and they want to dominate that map pack. Like, I know it's really difficult with anything SEO-based to give timescales, but what sort of timescales should people be thinking, you know, that, that's realistic? This isn't the sort of thing that happens in a month, is it?
1: It's honestly it's it's all over the board. I've seen it happen as fast as within a week we've had someone that's not showing up in the map pack pop into the map pack. I've also seen it where it's taken over a year. So it really depends mostly on two factors, how big your city is and how much competition there at there is within that city. And the other side of that is how much SEO your competition is doing. So if you're in a smaller market and there's not that much competition, let's say you've got five businesses of the same type, three of them are going to show up in the map pack. So, It's not as difficult. If you're in a big metro area, you may have a couple hundred and only three of them are showing up in that map pack. So the competition is much more difficult, but it could also be in a situation, you may have a hundred competitors in a city, but nobody's doing any SEO at all. And no one ever has done SEO at all. And you're the first one to really, truly push the right signals out to Google, even though there's way more competition because no one's actually doing SEO. If you put out some good signals, you can jump in very Mm. quickly. You know, it could happen really fast. It, it could take a really long time. There are a lot of different factors that influence it.
0: This has been super useful, Greg. Really interesting to, to talk to you and hear your expertise. One final question. What do you think the future holds for local SEO? Obviously, we're seeing more and more search go to mobile. We've got voice search. We've got things like Alexa coming in. What, what sort of conversations are we going to be having one year, two years, five years down the line around this topic?
1: I think the future is exciting for us. I think change er, change is definitely on the horizon. It could happen very quickly. It may be a little bit more drawn out, but it's definitely going to change. Uh, voice search, uh, a lot of people, it's a big buzzy thing. Voice search isn't really anything different than regular search, other than it's a different way to enter your search query. But it's not like you really optimize differently for voice search than you optimize for text-based search right now. The the thing that's going to change with voice search is as people become more comfortable with voice search and as the technology gets better, more and more people will use it and that's going to change the way that people are searching. The searches that they ask are going to be much more conversational than they are when they're typing phrases into Google. And I think that has an opportunity to change things for us because as the way people search changes, not, not not as the technology change. I'm saying as the technology change of voice changes the actual way that people are searching, the things that mm-hmm. they're asking. I think that that's going to require a change for the way that we optimize sites. I also think that you know, voice search leads people to become more comfortable with Uh, using voice in general. So your Alexas, your series, your Google Homes, uh, that's going to change the way people buy things. So search may not even be an issue for certain things. Cindy Crum wrote some really great uh, series of posts on voice search. And one of the posts that uh, was really cool talked about how as you move from a very basic low cost, low risk product up to a high cost, high risk product, there's several tiers at the very, very low end where you've got a very, very cheap, very low risk product. It's very easy to just say, Alexa, order me more toilet paper. You don't care what the brand is. It's probably going to be based off whatever you bought last time, but you're not going to go search for deals. But as you move up and the mid range would be something like buying a new winter coat you're probably not going to just say, Alexa, buy me a coat. You're going to have to start doing a bit of research. So there's more involved in the way that you search and the things that you ask will be different. And then you move to the really high end, like a car or a boat or a house, and there's definitely much more of a research process involved. So you'll be asking different things. And and typically on that high end, even though you might be using voice search at some point, you still need that screen because you've got to compare details and look at all of that information. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out in the future, I think that that's really going to become much more polar opposite from the high end, to the low end of the very simple, hey, just buy me this or the high end of, hey, help me find this information. Another thing that I think that can change us in the future is augmented reality. I, I don't think virtual reality is going to change things as much, but augmented reality, I think, could be a really, really huge game changer for a lot of things in local. Great example of that is the app that Google has released called Google Lens that is now coming installed already on every Android device. And it's basically a visual search engine. You pull out the, the app and it's basically just a live camera feed. So instead of, you know, if you're in a new city and you're on restaurant row in that city and there's 15 restaurants on the street, Instead of getting on Google or Yelp to look at which one would be the best to go to, you can just pull out Google Lens. And as you walk down the street, it recognizes the building and it pops up information and shows you review review scores and reviews and all that sort of stuff. So now instead of doing a search on Google or Yelp for best business or best restaurant, where it's going to be based off of your location, and since you said best, it's going to pull up awesome reviews and surface those as the top of the search results now you're not even searching you're just walking and seeing the information about the stuff that's physically near to you and there's nothing you can do to optimize for that other than to make sure that whatever gets shown to people is amazing so again it's going to be a different form of optimization because now you're solely worried about what do my review scores look like what's my description what are the photos that show up and that sort of stuff and it's not about how this surfaces me in search it's about how do i look compared to the other guys that are right next to me when that stuff's popping up so I think there's a lot of exciting stuff in store for us in the near future
0: it sounds like the key to being prepared for that future is to make sure that you are doing everything you can in the now right i guess for something like google home the the trend that we're seeing is actually fewer search results so it would make sense that if you say hey google find me the name of a local plumber then they're going to be taking that from a map pack, right? So if we're optimizing for local SEO using the processes that you're talking about, we're already kind of prepared as much as we can be for that future.
1: Yeah, well, and a lot of times too, the results that are coming from Google Home right now are when you've got that single answer, that also just happens to be the rich snippet that's displayed at the top of the search results. So if you can optimize and get those rich snippets for different search queries, it's pretty likely that 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 answer is going to be what's served in the
0: voice assistant as well. Very cool, very cool. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. Where can people find you online and follow you on social? You can
1: follow me. uh, Honestly, don't try LinkedIn because I check my LinkedIn maybe once a quarter. (laughs) A lot of people try to follow me on Facebook, but I kind of have Facebook as a walled garden because my kids are on there. So that's just really just close friends and family. So the best thing to do is uh either instagram or if you want to be more visual uh if if you want to follow more of the the text and seo stuff definitely follow me on twitter and it's just simple it's at greg gifford
0: wicked we'll link that up in the show notes greg thank you so much for time state and thank you everybody for tuning in Uh, thanks for having me If you need some help with your digital marketing, then I have something for you. My business, Exposure Ninja, we work with clients all around the world, improving their website visibility, improving traffic and improving sales for them. And one of the things that we do is called a free website and marketing review. Now, this is not like some of the free website and marketing reviews that you might have seen online where you type in your website address and it gives you this automated report, which shows you a bunch of red crosses and green ticks just stuff that software picks up. Now, this review is very different. We'll spend 20 minutes analyzing your website, your digital marketing, and your competitors on a video. We'll actually show you on the screen some changes to make to your website to increase the conversion rate. And we'll also talk through the top traffic channels that your competitors are using and what you could learn from their marketing and apply to yours to improve your results. Now, if you want this website and marketing review, it's completely free of charge. There's no obligation to use our services. All you need to do is head over to. ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review.